Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Hi guys, it's Tracy. And before we get to today's episode, I wanted to tell you about our holiday book drive that runs November 30th through December 14th. We are buying books for Rocket Ship Delta Prep, a school in Antioch, California, where 85% of the students live in poverty. The school doesn't have the funds to supply books to students. So many of the books that kids are reading in class are just photocopies of books stapled together. So obviously I thought we could help. We're going to be buying books so that every single student at that school leaves on the last day of the semester with their very own book. If you want to participate, there is a link in the bio to the wish list that was put together by the teachers of Rocket Ship Delta Prep. For every book you donate, you are entered to win a prize. And we will be giving away at least one prize every single day for this 15-day book drive. Once you've given a book, you are entered to win for every single day. To be in the know about what the prizes are and how we're making progress on the book drive, make sure you're following the Stacks on social media at the Stacks Pod on Instagram, at the Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter, and the Stacks Podcast on Facebook. There are more details in the link in the show notes. So please check it all out. And I want to thank you in advance for listening to the show and participating in this book drive. Okay, now let's get to the episode. Welcome to The Short Stacks, our shorter conversations with authors about their process and their books. I am your host, Tracy Thomas, and today I am geeking out because our guest is an author I have hugely admired for his work as a writer and an advocate. Our guest is three-time New York Times bestselling author Shay Serrano, whose most recent book, Movies and Other Things, came out in October. As a side note, Shay's books make amazing gifts. I know because I've been giving them out to my loved ones for many years. Okay, before we talk to Shay, let's do a little housekeeping. Remember, everything we talk about on today's episode can be found in the show notes. You can use the link there to shop for the books we've discussed and read the articles we've mentioned. Plus, you'll find our social media accounts and the social media accounts of our guests all in the show notes so you can stay connected to the stacks. If you love this show and want more of it, check out our Patreon page. You can support the work we're doing here and earn perks for yourself like our virtual book club and more. Go to patreon.com slash the stacks to join. If you like what you hear, please take a moment to rate and review this show wherever you get your podcasts, especially if you're listening through Apple Podcasts. All right, you've been patient. Now it is time for my conversation with Shay Serrano, author of Movies and Other Things. All right, you guys, I am here today talking to Shay Serrano. Shay is a three-time New York Times bestselling author. His most recent book is Movies and Other Things. Shay, welcome to The Stacks. 
What up, homie? I'm so excited you're here. So we always start in the same place in about 30 seconds or less. Tell us about your book. My book is called Movies and Other Things. It's essentially a collection of essays written about movies that I like. Amazing. Um, I know that you have written another book previously called Basketball and Other Things. So not so much the question of where did you get the idea for this book, but how did you decide to go from basketball to movies? Well, the uh, the idea this that came from brainstorming with uh, with my editor at the time, this woman named Samantha Weiner. She we we knew we wanted to do another book together because we had done the Rap Year book together and right. also this coloring book. And she's really good about like helping you build ideas, which is like I think that's an essential trait for editors to have. And so I could be like, hey, I kind of I'm like circling a thing, but I don't know exactly what it is. We're just texting or emailing or talking on the phone. And eventually it was like, well, we need some sort of device because you don't want this to just be like straight up just whatever, a book of essays because that's been done a bunch of times already. <laughs> let's let's figure something clever out. And I think she was the one who came up with asking questions each time. Yeah. At, at this point, we had texted 100 times, just 200 times. Um, but yeah, we ended up settling on, okay, we're going to start each chapter with a question that needs to be answered. That way everybody understands going in what the point is because some of this stuff is going to get kind of weird. And if they don't know going in what the, what we're trying to pull off, then it might not work. So right. That's how we settled on that. And, and, um, and basketball, that basketball book was so much fun to work on uh, because we had this device in place that made everything very clear and very set. And because of like, again, because of how weird or how silly that some of this stuff was, it was like a fun sort of interplay with that, but also with like the rigidity of the structure of the actual book. And uh, so the basketball book came out and it, it did like well enough that they wanted another one. Right. So we just were like, well, um, Arturo and I at this point are trying to figure out what do you, what is, he's the illustrator, what do you want to draw? What do I want to like research for the next two years of my life <laughs> and movies just seem to make the most sense because it's something we both cared a, a great deal about. Right. And then you, this is part of a deal, a three book deal. So do you have an idea of what the next one will be or am I jumping the gun because your book just came out like a month ago? No, we, we started talking about that uh, as soon as we got the deal because you kind of like have to have a general idea at least of what you want to do. We we discussed doing rap and other things because rap is something I, I, I care a bunch about and I wouldn't mind spending, again, two years of my life like researching it. And I've already done a bunch of research from the rap book. Right. Um, also television. Uh, that's another thing that I, I greatly enjoy. It's going to be one of those two things. So there are only four things in my life that I like really <laughs> like. Basketball, okay. rap, movies, and TV. Got it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be somewhere in that space. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, you've narrowed it down very obviously. These are the things I like. This is where I'm going. Um, one of the things that I love about this book and your um, and rap yearbook and basketball and other things is that your writing leaves room for other people's arguments. Um, so whether it's, do you think that, like, who do you think is the X, Y, and Z? Or, you know, did they do the right thing by trading kick? Keller, like all of your books leave, you have these questions that are very open. So I'm curious, is that something that you think about consciously in your writing, how you want your books to function or versus going with like a much more persuasive argument style, which is like, this was the thing that happened or this is the right answer. 
I feel like I want it to be open like that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I think that was a mistake that I made in the rap yearbook was trying to position it as like this is the history of rap. Like mm. if I re- if I was rewriting that again today, it would it would feel a little bit differently. Now we did get other voices in there. I thought that that was like I want to make I was like trying to make sure that it uh, there was a way for me to say the things that I'm talking about here are not like it's this is not the definitive pick or right. whatever. Right in the rap yearbook. Yeah, I was like, these are the most. This is the most important song of every year, and and then at the end of each chapter, we would have like a writer buddy of mine would write. Oh, actually, you picked the wrong song. It should have been this one, and they'd try to summarize it in two hundred words or whatever. And that was like my favorite part of the book was allowing those other voices in there. So when we did the basketball book, it was like, okay, I don't want this to. I don't want this to feel like. Uh, or, or, or I don't want us for us to market market this as like the history of basketball or like these are the truths of basketball. Right. I want this to to, to definitely feel more like this is just some stuff that I like and some stuff that I feel. And if I'm writing the things that I'm writing, hopefully when I like lay out what the chapter is or, or like just, just say the title of the chapter, you should in your head already have an idea of like how you would argue this yeah. and I want for that as a, as a reader, I want for you to like read the thing and go like, you got this totally wrong. It should have been this like that. That's, that's to me the most enjoyable part of consuming any sort of pop culture is when you get into these like, Oh, you no, I think you read that wrong or I think you made this decision wrong. And then you can like, you, you know, sort of thoughtfully explain your side of that's, that's the most fun part. It's never fun. If you're like out with a group of friends, and somebody goes, oh, did you see this movie? I thought it was incredible. And then everybody at the table goes, you're correct. It was incredible. And then that's the end of the conversation. It's right. like the la- the lamest way to exist, I think. It's it's more fun if somebody's like, no, that was – I didn't think it was that good because of this. I prefer this other thing. And then like, you know, that's that's to me sort of a fundamental part of the process of talking about this stuff. So I want that to be in the book. Yeah. Yeah, well, I want to thank you for including A League of Your- Their Own because that is my all-time favorite film. And I feel like a lot of people yeah. overlook that movie and act like it's not the greatest thing that ever happened in cinema and baseball movies. <laughs> and I, I, when I'm flipping through the book, I saw the art and I was like, I looked at my husband and I was like, well, Shea Serrano is still my hero because he included <laughs> a whole chapter. And you're 100% right. Dottie dropped the ball on purpose obviously there's no debate like people who think that she didn't you think she just all of a sudden is a bad catcher she just all of a sudden can't handle her little sister like that's not how siblings work it doesn't make any sense it makes zero sense and yeah and as far as like a piece of cinema if you cut if you don't trade kit you don't get the greatest scene possibly in the movie where there's the blow it out your rear end followed by (laughs) has anyone seen my new red hat which is those are iconic moments in the film and you lose that like you lose it's a turning point so basically they did the right thing and that is the hill i'm willing to die on (laughs) yeah see now this is this one we're both aligned on as well they yeah you can't you can't trade dotty nobody's trading the league mvp for a borderline all-star pitcher right um and she dropped the ball yeah yeah but but, yeah a a league of their own i watched that i remember watching it when i was a kid and and just like immediately being drawn in i think as far as sports movies go baseball makes for the best type of sports movies because there's so much 
empty space in a game for you to just like put everything you need to in there. Basketball is sort of harder to shoot because it's yeah. so fluid. Football, you've got too much like junk in the way all of the time. Right. Um, and I think in not- baseball movies, you can fake the actions of playing baseball a lot yeah. easier. Like it's hard to fake like to be to make an actor look like they're good at shooting a basketball if they're garbage. Right. Yeah. I. I. I yeah, mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I. I, just, I, I, I always love the League of Their Own. Yeah. It's so good. It's I think it's. I, I mentioned this in the book. I think it's one of the three best baseball movies of all time. Yeah. And depending on like whatever one for me anyway, whatever one is the the one I've watched the most recently between Major League, The Sandlot, and The League of Their Own. Like that's the one I'm gonna say is the best. Yeah, I think those are definitely the top three, but A League of Their Own for me is a whole level above. I had a, my dad used to give me one uh, VHS tape and I could record whatever was on TV when I wanted. And so what I would do (laughs) is whenever A League of Their Own was on TBS, I would just put it in and hit record. So the tape wasn't actually watchable. It was just scenes of A League of Their Own chopped up (laughs) in order. But it's still my favorite movie. My brother and I still quote it regularly, like during the World Series this year, you know, I'm I'm looking at this. The the umps were calling crazy strikes and balls this year, and I'm just going, "That looked good to me, Ellen Sue. That looked good to me." <laughs> like all the lines. I do have a question about writing, about music, basketball, and movies. Which is, how do you approach knowing that your audience doesn't necessarily know what you're talking about? Because with the rap, your book, you could just listen to the song at three minutes of your time, and then you could be like, "Okay, I kind of get this." But with movies and other things. I don't think everyone that is reading your book necessarily has seen every movie that you mention, nor has everyone, nor is everyone as deeply involved in basketball. So is that something you're conscious of or worried about? Or are you just like, people will get it, they'll figure it out? Uh, that was something I was really nervous about, um, especially with the, with the movie book, because like you're mentioning, it's easy to listen to, the, to a song and be like, okay, cool, I'm caught up. A movie is a two-hour, usually somewhere on a two-hour commitment. And so in some of the chapters, I'm, I've mentioned 40 movies or something goofy like that. Right. So, yeah, I was, I was really I was nervous about that. I was like, oh, what if I pick movies that people don't like? And nobody's going to buy the book. This is going to be a disaster, blah, blah, blah. And, and, uh, and that sort of – that definitely slowed me down in the beginning. It, it was like a, this overwhelming feeling and like – I, I thought I was realizing that I had made a monumental mistake in choosing to do this. Uh, but, the, but the more I thought about it, the more I began to realize there's no way that any, any book ever about movies is going to like touch on all of the things that every person cares about. It just doesn't work right. that way. But what movies do and what I think you can try to do in a movie book is I think all movies will eventually lead people – all good movies anyway – eventually lead people back to like the same five or six feelings. Like you're talking about a league of their own and you remember it from your childhood and like these very like intimate uh, attachments and memories that you have of it. And it's not necessarily, this isn't just a thing that a league of their own can do. This is a thing that a lot of people have. uh, They have that same feeling for another kind of movie. So my goal was not to write my way toward the movie that I wanted to talk about. It was to write my way toward uh, a feeling that the movie gave me. So mm. hopefully when somebody would read the chapter on the league of their own, they'd be like, Oh, I get it. He feels this way about this movie. And that's how I feel about bull Durham or whatever. Right. right. Like and the same sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And when you were writing the book, 
were you rewatching all the movies or were you pulling some of it just from remembering scenes and moments? No, I, I, you, I, I have to rewatch all of that stuff. I, I can't just remember all of those okay. details. So like in the, in, in that movie, for example, like I could remember the key characters. I could remember Dottie. Right. But I couldn't remember like Dottie's last name is Henson. Yes. And I couldn't remember, do they spell that with an I or with an E? Like little details like that. Right. You're going to need to research all of, all of this stuff. But it's just, uh, for me anyway, it works better if I am rewatching all of this stuff. In some cases, it was like not that hard. And in, in, in that chapter, it was one or two, maybe three movies I had to rewatch. Um, and some of the other chapters, it was like 10, 12, 13 movies. And that, right. that became like a, a big thing. But again, they give you, you know, you get 18 months to work on this thing. You can, you can take your time and watch those movies. And you're watching movies. It's not and like you're your research movies. is like, I don't know, like in dissecting bugs or something that might not be yeah, as exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not in I'm not in like the National Public Library pouring through archives. <laughs> right. You're on your not, couch like hanging out. Yeah, I'm just taking I'm fucking taking notes into my phone while I watch Goodfellas or whatever. Yeah. One of my favorite chapters of the book is where you talk about the Marvel universe with your sons. And I'm just curious how do they feel about being in the book? Uh they don't they didn't care about it at all. They're just like <laughs> they were they were excited when they saw their name in the in the acknowledgement section, okay. they like they like that part of it. Uh, that's a thing that I think will I'm I'm hoping will be meaningful to them in like 20 years yeah. when they become when they start to become fathers and they can look back and have just like a snapshot of the way that they talked of the jokes that they made of like the level of insight that they had when they were 12 or six years old, right, um, or, or 11 or five or whatever. Um, so at the at the moment they didn't think too much of it because it's just like a regular part of their life to like their dad makes books for a living and sometimes he will like put me in there sometimes right. he won't whatever. like it's just whatever it's the same as when I take them to Barnes and Noble to go see we walk in there's this giant display with the books on there they think that's just like what everybody's mom or dad right. does right and they're just like whatever dad like <laughs> I want to go look at the toys right they're over you well I love that chapter I was cackling on my couch as I was reading I was like this is the most joyous chapter of this book it just was so fun how did you know when you were done with the book like are there chapters that are just gone from the book that you wrote that didn't fit in or how did you kind of put it all together uh, the the only way that I knew that I was done with the book is that I ran out of time with the book. Okay. I, I, if they told me I had six more months, I would still be writing. I would still be tinkering. Here's an example of that. But when we finished the book, it was all the way done. It was 100% done. I, I, all, everything was written and edited and, and like turned in to the editor. And we're like getting ready to send it off to the printer. And in celebration... Laramie and I decided we were going to go out of town and like just the two of us and spend some time together because I had my head in the sand for the whole process of like mm -hmm. the last few months. And uh, so we dropped our kids off. And then on our way out, we stopped at the movies because I had been wanting to watch Booksmart because it had come out like a week before or something. Mm. And, and, and I knew it was not going to be in theaters for that long. And if I didn't catch it, then I was probably going to have to wait like six months to see it. And I wanted to see it. Um, so on our way out of town, we stopped at the theater in San Antonio and we watched Booksmart, and as soon as we saw it, have you seen Booksmart? I yet? have not seen it yet. Okay, this, Booksmart is one of these movies where as soon as you watch it, you, it's like this movie is going to live for a long time. I really like when movies are like 
pinpole moments when you know any movie that comes after this is going to like take a piece of this movie mm. forward with it. And, and and Booksmart is a high school movie, and typically in high school movies you've got like the like a cast of this of like similar characters. You've got like the 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 athlete, the the like the bad guy, the or the rebel or whatever. They're like yeah. princess. Like for twenty years or whatever, we had the same seven roles that everybody needed to fill in. It didn't matter if it was like can't hardly wait. Or the Breakfast Club, everybody right. fit into a, a, a role. And starting with with this movie called Election, there's a character in the name Tracy Slick. Yeah. A- and uh, and she was like this sort of new creation, and we hadn't seen anybody new until Booksmart showed up. So that's what high school looks like now. Every high school movie that comes out from here forward is going to have one of these characters in there, or a version of these characters. And that's why I wanted to you write about it anyway this is getting longer than i had anticipated but <laughs> we went and we saw the movie and i had all of these very these like immediate feelings about it because i had just spent all this time watching all the high school movies and on our way out of the parking lot i asked laramie if she could drive and she's like all right cool she started driving i text the i mean i emailed the editor and i'm like hey we need to delete a chapter from the book because we need a book smart chapter in there because it's going to make the book better mm. and and they were like i don't know we don't have any time and i'm like just it's it's friday anyway and we're not doing anything until Monday, so just give me the weekend. And if I can get a chapter done and the yard done, we'll slide it in. It won't be that hard. And they're like, "All right, cool, go for it." And so, poor Laramie, we were, like she drives to. We're going to this city a couple of hours away. She drives there while I'm like typing in the car on my laptop and talking <laughs> with Arturo, telling him the illustrations we need, or just like trying to hurry up and get it done. And if and fortunately, we were able to get it in there, but. All of this to say, if they had given me eight or eight more weeks with the book, I, there probably would be eight different chapters in there. Right? Like, who knows? You never right. know when you're done until they tell you that you're done with it. Right. Um, who was the first person you let read the book when you finished it? The first person I let read the fully like finished version of the book that wasn't directly like involved. Yeah, with- like not your editor or not Arturo or whatever. Uh, it's a young woman named Marissa Gutierrez. She works as like um she's like an assistant for me. Okay. She goes to she's in college in San Antonio, and we were talking earlier about like all of the movies listed in the book. I I asked her. I said, Marissa, can you do me a favor? Everybody keeps asking me what movies they need to watch if they want to like read the book. And she's like, All right, cool. Yeah, How many movies was it? like 260 something oh my god and i was like oh well i'm not gonna put this list on the internet because it's gonna scare everybody away yeah. and but she was the first like non-publishing person who who read it which that's, is cool that's awesome taking care of your health isn't always easy but it should be at least simple that's why for the last three plus years i have been drinking ag1 every day no exceptions it's just one scoop mixed in water once a day every day and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have 
considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay. So one of the things we always talk about on this podcast is um, your writing process. So how do you write? Like, where do you have to be? Do you have snacks? Do you, can you have music on? Are there beverages? Are there candles that you like? What's your setup for your most productive kind of writing? Uh, I do all of my writing and I have an office in San Antonio that I work out of. And uh, so I'm usually like at the office, just a regular work day from like I, I got here today. It was eight o'clock. I'll be here until like five ish. Um, and I'm just, just, that's usually when I'm doing my work. I'm probably doing my research and everything else. Um, the bigger parts of it for the movie stuff at, at home. Okay. Uh, so I can take notes and like, watch it. I don't have a TV in my office, but, uh, once I like, once it's time to sit down and write, I go to the office and, and do that. And I don't have, I've got like a, a thermos with some water in it, but I don't like to eat or drink while I'm writing, I just sit there and, and just I can type into my computer until it looks like what I want it to look like. Okay. And then what's the process like working with Arturo? How do you guys decide what the images should be? Um, for those of you who don't know the book or haven't seen the book yet, there's amazing illustrations on the cover throughout the book. Um, and you guys have done bookmarks together. You did your office, um, the office uh, conference room five minutes. You guys have worked together as long as I've followed you, which has been for years now. You've mm-hmm. you've been working with him. So how do you guys work together? Yeah, Arturo and I have been together for about five years now, and at this point, he knows the way that I work. I know the way that he works, and we each know like what the what we should expect from the other person. Um, so as far as deciding what illustrations we need for each book. That's a, it's a collaborative, collaborative process in so much as I'm like, Hey, I'm writing about book smart. And I think like, I think that this is what I might need for the book. And then I will send him what I wrote and he'll read it 
And then he'll be like, okay, I think we should, there's like a line in here that jumps out at me. I think we should draw this picture. Okay. And, and then we'll just sort of bounce it back and forth like that. I had uh, early in the relationship, I very much wanted to like police him and tell him exactly what I needed and, and like, you know, try to keep him sort of under my thumb. Mm -hmm. And it just, just didn't, it wasn't as, as productive that way as like when you give him a little bit of free. Oh, have you seen this movie called Contact? Starring Jodie Foster. Yes, of course. The it's like an alien movie. The alien movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Came yeah. out in in the nineties. It's an incredible movie. Um, there's a, a so in that movie, some aliens send some signals down to Earth, like here's how you build a machine that will allow that will transport you to us because you don't have the technology yet, and the humans figure it out and they are building this thing, and basically you're supposed to get inside like this metal ball. And you just stand there and then the ball drops through this other contraption and it zooms you over to where you need to go. Right. That's, that, that's what they're supposed to do. And of course, um, you watch the movie and you see the humans decide when they look at this, they go like, oh, this isn't safe. We need to, we need to build like something for you to sit in inside of the ball. Otherwise, it's going to be a disaster for you. And so they build it and Jody sits in it and they drop the ball, see like start shaking violently and she's freaking out and She's like, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to pass out. This is like terrible. And she eventually gets herself out of the seat. And when she does, everything is perfect and calm. And like, basically, this is my relationship with Arturo. I have to <laughs> let I have to let him do what he wants to do, what he's telling me he wants he, 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 he wants to draw. If I try to police him, if I try to put a seat in the contraption, there's too much friction. There's too much. That's uh, no good. Right. OK. I like that. I do want you to take a moment to flex. Uh, your history-making New York Times best-selling title because I think that's really fucking cool and I feel like people don't even know. So tell everybody what happened to you this year when you became a three-time New York bestseller. What that meant? What that oh. made you to the to the culture? <laughs> to the culture. Uh, when that happened, Arturo and I became the first ever Mexican Americans to have three different books on the New York Times bestseller list, which is like wild to think about because it's been around for almost 90 years. Yeah. It's and, like one of those things like when in the Oscars where it's like, oh, in 2000, like Halle Berry won for the first yeah. And you're like, that's amazing. And also how garbage. <laughs> yeah. that's and, and that's like a, what's funny is if, if a white person asks me and they're like, aren't you so proud and excited? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am proud and excited. But if a person who's not white asks me, they're like, Aren't you so proud and excited? And also, isn't it super fucking sucky that it took this long? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> so that's yeah. where you and I are on this situation. I for was like, sure. cool, this happened. But also, like, what the fuck were y'all doing for the last 85, 90 years? Right. Like, there are other Mexican American authors, no offense to you, who like yeah. are amazing writers also, yeah, who like exactly. definitely should be on the list. Uh, uh, who should be with you on the list. You should have been joining a class of, you know, 80 amazing writers. Like, it's crazy to me that it's you and Arturo and that's it, just alone up there. Yeah, and it's like writers who I had, like, read in school. And I'm like, oh, wait, do you, what, Sandra Cisneros didn't, right. why has it happened? Or Luis Urea hasn't done three, like, I don't get that, it. I, that was the one that shocked me. I was like, really? Like, yeah. That's crazy. Like, like actual, actual real writers who like writing is in their blood. Author, like they were born to be authors. Right. And give their insight to the world. And they should have had 25 books on there or whatever. I don't right. know. 10, right. 5, whatever. Should be more. 
I should mention there's a, there's a young writer. Um, her name is Erica Sanchez. She mm-hmm. has uh, she's also Mexican American. She has a um, she had a book that came out like a year or two ago that made it on the bestseller list. She's a YA author. Yeah, um, I think she's gonna pass up everybody. Okay, she's gonna blow by. She's your pick. Girls. She'll be. She's going to do like five or six, I can already tell. Just, I mean, that, that was her first book and it sort of exploded. And you're like, oh, you, like you, she's in the, she's like, oh, you were born to be an author. Me okay. and our good are just like, oh, we just sort of do this by accident. Well, that was my next question. How did you know you wanted to be a writer? Because you also, for people who don't know, Shay writes at The Ringer, which is a pop culture sports blog website. It's not a blog. It's a website. <laughs> and you guys do, don't, don't tell Bill Simmons I called it a blog. He'd be so, so offended. His life work. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you guys do podcasts. You do. There's like, it's all, if you don't know The Ringer, you should check it out. There's something for everyone if you like pop culture and or sports. And if you don't like pop culture and or sports, what do you do with your time? <laughs> <laughs> but um, how did you know you wanted to be a writer? How did that come? Because you were a teacher before. I was a t- teacher for nine years and I thought that this is going to be what I'm going to do with the rest of my life that was like the intention Laramie was a a middle school teacher as well we both taught we taught at separate middle schools but both middle school and uh we like we just thought oh this is going to be like what life looks like forever and she has some some like pregnancy complications that, that put her out of work for a while and during that time we needed to make some extra money and uh I was applying to be like a waiter or work in grocery stores or Target or whatever. And I couldn't get hired because each time I would go to do the interview, they'd be like, oh, you have a full-time job already. You can't work when we need you to work. I kept Mm. running into that. And so I needed something I could just do from home. And I'm Googling work from home jobs. Writer was one of them. And I was like, well, I have... I have a computer. I have the internet. I can, I'll figure this out. I guess I'll do that. (laughs) And then I just started researching it. And that's how it all started. I was freelancing different little papers here or there and you know getting twenty dollars to write a blog post for whatever website and um, that's how it all started this was at this point you know maybe 10 years ago something like that and uh it just kept you know it started growing slowly but i could see it happening and eventually i was making like as much money writing as i was teaching but i was writing only part-time and uh and then bill showed up you mentioned bill and he offered me like my first real writing contract hmm. he's like i'll pay you like a salary just come work for me i'll give you a i'll give you a year of like guaranteed checks just come work for me do this or whatever and uh and you know once he showed up is really when everything started to to change in in that direction but this was not something i like grew up dreaming about doing i honestly didn't even know uh, they don't tell you when you grow up in like South San Antonio, like, oh, you can write about movies if you want and we'll give you money. Like it doesn't work right, like that. They're just right. like, oh, you're going to work. You're going to work at a tire shop or you're right. going to do irrigation with your with your uncle. Um, and so, yeah, all of that stuff just sort of happened by accident. Uh, the The book stuff happened by accident. Samantha was the one who came up with the idea for the rap yearbook. Like it's just other people sort of helping me out and lifting me up and being like, hey, you should try to do this thing. Hmm, that's so crazy. Uh, one of the things I noticed about your book in my own reading um, of movies and other things in my own reading of it, um, I'm sitting on the couch and I got to the chapter about heist movies, like building your own heist team. And a lot of the chapters of the book, I was like, I have no idea about any of these movies. Like I've never seen, a, I've seen like one gangster movie. I've seen one superhero movie. And 
I when I got to the heist chapter, I was like, oh my God, I've seen all these movies. And I turned to my <laughs> husband and I go, I think this book is like astrology for movie watchers. Like I now know that while I love a rom-com and that's like my normal sign, I guess my rising sign is heist movies. Like I'm secretly a huge <laughs> heist movie fan. And I was wondering if other people have had that experience that you've heard from, like in reading the book, they've realized, oh, I've actually seen like quite a bit of this kind of movie, or I'm really familiar with the work of Diane Keaton. And I would never know, think that of myself, but turns out I am, or, you know, like, have you ever gotten that kind of feedback about the book? This is the first time somebody has mentioned that specifically, okay, <laughs> um, or, or said it in like as an insightful, as an as an insightful way. Um, a, a thing did happen with with me though, where I had a sort of similar revelation while I'm working on the book. I had no idea how much I enjoyed Liv Tyler movies. Oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> that in the footnotes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was just like I realized it when I. I was like researching for everything and like every movie that I was mentioning that I liked and like, wait a second, Liv Tyler was in Armageddon and she was in the Lord of the Rings and she was in empire records and she was mm. in the strangers and she was in inventing the Abbots and like that thing you do. Like I was like, Oh my God, she's, she's like never made a movie worse right. when she, when she's in it. And, and not only that, but she's made every movie better. Yeah. And that's yeah, yeah. So I I hope that that does happen for some people. I'm glad to hear that it happened with you because it definitely happened. Yeah, I'm now like, oh, I love heist movies. When people like, yeah. what kind of movies? Like, <laughs> oh my, God, I'm huge into heist movies, <laughs> which I'm not. Like, I never want to see a heist movie. I never think, oh my god, this new heist movie, I have to go see. But I've, I guess, I've seen them all. I have no idea. Um, I just have a few more questions for you. One of them is for people who love movies and other things or the kind of writing that you do, what else would you maybe recommend to them? Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be about movies, but maybe a similar style or a book that's in conversation with, obviously your two other books are great places to start, but if there's other um, things that you feel like might, or other authors you think might be good for them to check out. So there's a guy, his name is Chuck Klosterman. Mm. And I don't know if you read his books yeah. or not, but he writes about mainly about music, but also some other stuff. Um, and he's done a couple of fiction books as well, but he writes, uh, he writes in like the way that I would like to try to write eventually. <laughs> he's, he's, probably, he's probably like 30%, 40% smarter than I am. Um, but he has a similar sort of style. Um, that's the guy who they're like, Oh, you must've read a lot of Klosterman books whenever mm -hmm. somebody reads something I write. And I'm like, yeah, I did. I just try to copy whatever he did. Uh, Bill, Bill is a, a similar way. He's only done two books, but like his book of basketball, uh, is just straight up like, oh, when I read that, I go like, oh, this is the kind of book that I would like to write if I wrote a book. Mm. Also, there's a, a a newer book, and this is, I feel silly even mentioning the same book anywhere near any of the, the books that I've written, but there is a, a writer, her name is Gia Tolentino. Yes. And I think she's like one of the best working writers in America. And I had been following her stuff for a couple of years, and then this year she put a book out. It's called Trick Mirror, mm -hmm. and and okay, so so I'm usually like writing whatever about a league of their own or about heist movies or something like that. Um, she's able to write about really really smart stuff in a way that makes it accessible to everybody else, and I think that that's the hardest thing for any sort any writer to do is to take a complicated subject matter. To take something as big and broad as like living on the internet, like the internet being a thing, right? And turning it turning it into an essay uh, or or a chapter about what this means for like 
your inner parts or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I, but again, this book, this book came out and I read it and I was like, holy, holy shit. This is like, she, I think, again, I think she's one of the best in the country. Um, but I would just sort of push everybody toward her because this is one of those books where you read it and, and the sky looks a little bit different when you're done with it. So by the time this episode comes out, um, my listeners will know that we're actually doing at Trick Mirror for our book club in January. So, oh, there you go. So this is kind of a good preview for those of you who are on the fence about reading it. You should probably read it because Shay says it's really good. Um, I'm reading it later this week, so I'm very excited. Well, I guess we should acknowledge one thing because this is also a huge flex. And then I have one more question. But Barack Obama has read your work. And he mm-hmm. has put it on his list. And is that the fucking craziest, coolest thing that's ever happened? Like, what was yeah, that, that was moment? Extremely, <laughs> extremely cool. So cool. Have you ever talked to him? Did, he, did you ever, like, reach out, like, try to slide in his DMs and be like, thanks so much? Oh, yeah, we're friends now. We, we, we had dinner, like, two nights ago. <laughs> um, no, I didn't, try to, I didn't try to talk to Barack Obama, President Barack Obama, that when that happened, that was with the basketball book. And so this is 2017. He put it on his list of like favorite books of the year. And, and, and I'll tell you like a thing that I had not anticipated, um, is the basketball book came out, it made it onto the bestseller list. And then the thing with Obama happened and then like, a, so you know, got translated into however many different languages, whatever. It was like a, it had a, like a nice little moment as far as like the trajectory of my career was concerned. I was proud of it. Right. And, and I felt really good about it. And then when I started working on the movie book, this was like the first time that I had felt real legitimate, stressful pressure hmm. because I felt like people, and this is all sort of self-imposed, but I felt like people were looking at it going, well, if it doesn't do at least what the basketball book did, then it was a failure. Right. And, and, and that's like a hard place to, to write from for sure. Um, and part of me feeling that way was like, I was thinking, oh my God, Barack Obama, President Barack Obama said this like nice thing about the book. What, how can it, how can this ever be topped? What can, what can, there's nowhere for me to go except down mm. at the very best lateral. And, uh, so I was really nervous about that. I was nervous that it wasn't going to sell enough copies. I was nervous it wasn't going to make the list. I was nervous it wasn't going to be number one on the list, which is an incredibly difficult thing to pull off. Um, right. But that's like what we were going for. And I was just like having nightmares and leading up to the launch. I felt like it didn't matter what numbers the publisher sent me. Every time they sent them, I felt like it wasn't high enough mm. as far as pre-orders or like daily sales or whatever. The book came out and it started to sell and it started to do well. And then I was on my way to a book signing with Arturo in Austin and I got an alert on my phone and it was from The Rock <laughs> from Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> I saw had- that. And he read the book or he read at least a chapter about him and he said like a nice thing about it. And I felt in that moment a significant part of that pressure just sort of release out of my body and be like, oh, God, OK, we have we have our name now. This person, President Barack Obama, said a nice thing about this one. The Rock said a nice thing about that one. We've like got our name. And then 10 minutes later, I was like, oh, God, we have to do another book after this. And like, <laughs> cool. I hope I. If we do rap, I'm like, oh, I hope it's Missy Elliott. Missy Elliott would be like, really, really, like, that's what what I'm going to aim. I'm going to write seven Missy Elliott chapters, regardless of what type of book it is. Just in the hopes that she'll read it. Someone will tell her she's like, I'm going to make a whole, like, Twitter campaign. I'm going to tell everybody to tag Missy Elliott, Instagram, whatever. I'm going to. 
That's awesome. You just mentioned your Twitter, and I think it would be silly if we didn't, if I didn't at least mention it. Shay, your Twitter is its own whole, it's like a whole movement, the FOH, the fuck out of your army, all your people, which I like to say that I'm proudly a member of. Um, but you guys are, it's amazing. People just, like it you couldn't you couldn't have made it that you couldn't have set out to make it what it is but it's just such an incredible community and i think that probably every marketing person in america every publicist every social media whatever is is comes to you and says how did you do it because it's just such a crazy thing like i don't even know if there's a question there but <laughs> what the fuck like <laughs> what is your twitter and how is it so amazing you you sort of nailed it exactly there. None of this was stuff that we had planned or tried to do. Um, it just sort of became this entity on its own. Right. Some, I didn't. I, like everybody refers to it as the FOH or the FOH Army. FOH is shorthand for get the fuck out of here. It be it started as like a joke that I didn't even make. Somebody else made this in 2015. Yeah. And and then somebody else grabbed a hold of it after that and just. We, and, and that just became like the the name. But yeah, it's just like this. It's basically just this silly thing where it's a group of people. We're all connected on Twitter. And every once in a while, we will raise money for something or like give money to a place. And and that's all that it is. And I wish I wish I had a better explanation of it. I don't have a very good explanation for it. Um, I don't I can't even I can like halfway control it. But only right. I'll give you. An example. This is my favorite example when I'm trying to explain exactly what this thing is. Um, I was on Twitter one day and I decided I was going to make. I wanted to make a donation to a place. And I and and at the time I did not have like whatever. I've got four hundred dollars in in my bank account or something like that. Like not a lot of money. So if I can't donate a lot, but I could be like oh, I'm going to donate twenty dollars and then I'm going to go on Twitter where at the time I don't know I have a hundred thousand people following me or something like that. Um, and I could be like hey. I'm going to make a donation to a place. I'm not going to tell y'all where it's going to go until I make the donation. But if you want to get in on this, send your money here and then post a link to like a GoFundMe or my own personal Venmo right. or PayPal or whatever. And so I did that one day and in like two hours or something, I had like $30,000 in my account. Mm -hmm. Just people sending me $5, $10, whatever. It all adds up to about $30,000. This is, this is, I have, I haven't told anybody anything about what's going. Like, I haven't seen a word. And they're just like, sure, here you go. Here's $30,000 <laughs> without asking any questions. And then, of course, I tell them, okay, here's where we're sending the money. We make the donation. Everybody's like, great job. Cool. We're all, like, high-fiving each other or whatever. Like, a week later, two weeks later, I had decided I had put on a bunch of weight. And I was like, I'm going to start exercising. And as a way to, like, hold myself accountable, I'm going to talk about this on Twitter and so I was like, oh, I'm, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get everybody to exercise with me. And I posted a thing on Twitter and I was like, hey, everybody, everybody who just donated all this money, we're going to do a new thing. We're all going to go run. We're going to go run a mile tomorrow. That's going to be yeah. our thing. And we're going to do this once a week or whatever. And everybody was like, you can fuck off. I'm not going <laughs> to run a mile. They, they were willing to send $30,000, no questions asked, but they wouldn't go outside for 10 minutes and like walk the block three times. And, and that, that, that's, that's just like what this thing is. It's like this very silly thing where we're just all sort of making jokes and about basketball or movies or whatever on the internet. And every once in a while we will raise money and donate it to a place. I think at this point we have, we've crossed over, we've, we've donated like more than $300,000 to oh different my God. nonprofits or just GoFundMe pages. 
Right. And, um, and that's just that's just what it is. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. If you're on Twitter and you're not following Shay, I'm going to link to his account in the show notes. But if you're not and you just want like a fun, fun, funny, fun place, but also sometimes an opportunity to have someone tell you what to do, what to do with your money, you should check out Shay. Um, and also sometimes just to see someone flex really hard on a Trump supporter, because sometimes that just feels so good. Um, so <laughs> that's kind of what your Twitter space is like. It's a place where all of those things can come true. Um, so here's my last, last question. I know I keep saying that, but this is it. If you could have one person dead or alive, read movies and other things, who would you want it to be? Uh, Michelle Rodriguez. You know, Michelle Rodriguez? I do. Okay. That would be that would be she would be my pick. She's like number one. I'm, I'm I live in Texas. I'm from San Antonio. She's down here. She's like a, we have Michelle Rodriguez statues on every corner of every <laughs> of every street in downtown San Antonio. Also, she's like a, a cornerstone member of my favorite movie franchise, The Fast and the Furious. Um, but she's also done a bunch of other cool and interesting movies. And she just seems like she seems like somebody who's who's like who has good energy. Uh-huh. And, uh, and and I would be starstruck if I like if I got a note on Twitter one day saying like she posted a thing about whatever book like so she would be my pick she's she's the one somebody brought this up the other day but her face appears in the book more than any other actor or actress wow. out of all of the like illustrations that are in there she's the only one who's in there three times everybody oh. else though at most is two but usually it's just one. Right. But I didn't even realize that we had done that until afterwards. I'm like, oh, that, well, that makes sense because she's like, she's my favorite. Oh my God, that's awesome. Okay, Michelle Rodriguez, read this book. And everyone else, <laughs> everyone else who's not Michelle Rodriguez, you can also read the book. Just it won't make Shay as happy, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. You should still read it. Um, it's called <laughs> Movies and Other Things. It's out in the world. Go get your copy. Um, I highly recommend all of Shay's stuff. Also, check him out on The Ringer, follow him on social media. Shay, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. I was really excited to to finally get on the stacks. Yeah. All right, you guys. And we will see you in the stacks. All right. That's all for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you to Shay Serrano for being our guest. You can get his book, movies, and other things wherever you get your books. You can find everything we discussed on today's episode in the link in the show notes. Make sure to get your book recommendation read on air by sending us an email at askingthestacks at gmail.com. For more from The Stacks, please follow us on social media at The Stacks Pod on Instagram and at The Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter and check out our website, thestackspodcast.com. To join The Stacks Pack and get inside access to this show, head to patreon.com slash the stacks. Make sure you are subscribed to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite, and our theme music is from Tagirajis. This show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas.